going to be a good, for some of us this morning will be a wonderful reminder, those of you who are Christians, of where we came from. <laughs> and for some of you this morning who don't know Jesus, what I'm going to read at the beginning, you might find offensive. <laughs> and uh, you might feel even offended by these verses. Um, I'd like to say to you before I read them to you, there is nowhere on earth that you're going to hear the truth apart from in the, the church, from Christians. So even if you hear these words and you feel they're offensive, God says that all his word is breathed by him and it's powerful and life-changing. Yeah. People will tell you many, many things, but not many people will tell you the truth. People will flatter you. <laughs> people will tell you many things. But actually, we want to be a people who actually are not afraid to tell the truth of what God has done and what God has said. And these are the verses. It's like a two sides of a coin. The first side reminds us of where we came from. And the second side of the coin tells us what he has done for us. And Paul says this. He says, as for you... That's everyone here. <coughs> As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us. It's every one of us. All of us. Sometimes there are men and women who are the most wonderfully moral, generous, giving, radical, entrepreneurial for the poor and for justice, and they don't know Jesus. It's all of us. <laughs> from, the, from the best human being you can imagine on the planet to the one who has done the most despicable things, the Bible says all of us lived among <coughs> them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. I want to talk about the first part, from where we came from, and dear friends, if you're there now to say where you are right now. And Paul says that we were spiritually dead. As for you, you were dead. The Bible says there are only <coughs> two races of people who live on the planet right now. There are those who are alive and there are those who are spiritually dead. And there are those who have been resurrected by good news. And there are those that the Bible says are living as a corpse in a morgue. That's the only two categories that are alive on planet Earth right now. Those who are raised to resurrection life and those who are in a morgue. You know, someone's hear the saying, that person's in the doghouse. <laughs> you know, that means that they're out of favour. 
It's not just that there are some people, as it were, in God's doghouse, out of favour, and there are some people who are under favour. Literally, there are some people who are alive and kicking, and there are some people who are the walking dead. In other words, the pre-born-again, alive-in-Christ state is that our heart is unresponsive and unable to be responsive to God. That's the state of living in a morgue. Indifferent to God and having no desire to please God. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the rule of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So it gets worse. So we, the, the man or the woman who doesn't yet know Jesus, the Bible says, you're in a morgue, you're dead, you're unresponsive to life and the beauty and the radiance and the glory of who God is. But not only are you dead, the Bible talks about a spirit who is now at work in the world, and that spirit is, uh, the, the, is, is Satan and he's demonic. And it says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions, and you were, and you followed the ways of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. So we were the walking dead and kidnapped. So we were the walking dead and we were kidnapped under this demonic, this, this, this person called Satan, the devil, Beelzebub. And I'm just reading the Bible here. You might think you're, you're just making it up. So I'm going to read it again. So God says, this is my word. This is, this is what God says about society. This is what God says about our neighbourhoods. This is what God says about men and women who don't know the liberty and the freedom of Jesus. That's why it can be offensive, because we can think, who has the right to say what's right and what's wrong? If you would say, what's the spirit of our age? The spirit of our age is, everything's right. You just get to pick and choose what you call reality. But the Bible says, no, no, that's an illusion, that's a lie. There is truth and there is lie. And the truth is, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the rule of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. There, there, there's an entity that is pure evil that's that's working in the lives of the men and women we pass every single day. It's a spirit who has absolutely no light and no goodness or kindness or gentleness or love about him. Everything he produces is for discord, disharmony, factions. He is always manufacturing something to bring division between people and to create brokenness and to create wounds and lies. And he is working all the time to keep people bound and kidnapped and away from the one who will liberate them and bring them into his family and bring them back to a place of abundance and bring them back to a place that we've heard this morning of inheritance and sonship and forgiveness and right standing and the glory of God filling our hearts and living in a kingdom of abundance, of shelves being refilled. He just doesn't want them to know that, as it were, heaven has abundance of love, grace, mercy, kindness, gentleness. He wants to keep people blinded to that. And sometimes he keeps them blinded with the illusion that actually the real freedom is the freedom to do whatever you want. 
but not telling people that actually that's not real freedom. A jellyfish is not free. A jellyfish is not free. A jellyfish is just swept along by the tides of the messages and the broadcasts of society. A jellyfish just goes wherever the tide takes it. And the whole society is made up of dear men and women who are, as it were, like jellyfish, drifting along, not knowing up from down, swept along by this powerful, invisible influence the name Satan, or this what Paul calls here the spirit of the air, is also has a name called um, Satan. Means to stab. It means to stab. He's the one who sometimes you may have been stabbed by his wounds. Sometimes it can be that someone says something that is subtle, innocuous, and means absolutely nothing, and he gets on the back of it and makes it into a wound and a lie that binds people and holds them prisoner and distorts their own identity and the image of themselves and their identity about the future and distortions about God. And sometimes it can be that just one word, he jumps on the back of it and stabs. And he is at work in people right now. And then it says... That it says there that the kingdom of the world and we, all of us lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest we were by nature deserving wrath and so we're in this situation that we're in a morgue living in a kingdom the bible calls the kingdom of darkness ruled by a principality and a power that wants to hold people kidnapped, blinded to the glory of God, entrenched and away from God. And then it says, we were actively living in that world ourselves. That we were entrenched and warped and snared and corrupted and disobedient. So we're not the passive people, that we were actively engaged in things that were oppositional to God in thoughts and words and deeds. Corrupted, snared, disobedient. I want us to remember, sometimes it can be, after a long time of being and knowing Jesus, we can forget that our condition was desperate and critical. We can just enjoy the kingdom, and we enjoy singing songs like, I'm a child of God, I'm no longer a slave to fear, and we get used to a wonderful kingdom, ruled by a wonderful, wonderful God who causes us to know his love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. He produces self-control in us and we get to walk in this amazing kingdom and hear things like a shelf that gets refilled in the abundance of the kingdom. We get so used to it that we can forget there was a moment when our condition was desperately critical and urgent. That we were... Deserving of God's righteous, justifiable anger to the state of our hearts. That God would cease to be holy if he just looked upon our snared, corrupt, warped, disobedient living and just said, oh, it doesn't really matter. I'm just going to sweep that under the carpet and we'll forget about that. And, you know, I'm not going to deal with all of that. Or I don't really mind them being corrupt and broken. I just put a new screensaver on the computer and pretend it's all lovely underneath. And I'll turn a blind eye to the brokenness. Actually, we deserved wrath and we deserved anger. And we deserve to be separated from him forever. 
The Bible, could, we could describe it like this. We were driving in a car and we had a bomb in our boot and we didn't even know we had it. Just driving merrily, feeling free, feeling that we can do whatever we want. And actually there's a bomb in the back of our car called the wrath of God, <laughs> deserving to be separated from him for all eternity. And we wouldn't, didn't even know the bomb was there. And maybe someone came up to you and told you about God and told you about the kindness of God and called you about the love of God. Sometimes we go out on the streets and we just pray with people and maybe to see people healed or see people get a job or a house just to release something of God's kindness and goodness. Because the Bible says his kindness leads us to change our mind. It wakes people up and thinks, there is a God. He knows me. He loves me. And then you can point out, you know, you're driving along with a bomb in your car. (laughs) Someone needs to defuse that because that could go off at any moment and you could be completely lost forever. But then it says this. God says, they deserve my righteous wrath. My righteous anger towards this entrenched brokenness. And then it says, but because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So we have to see our, where we came from. We have to see our helpless situation. We have to see, maybe, dear friend, it's where you are right now. And, and right now you're thinking, if, if, if I could just get this part of my life together, then it would all be okay. If, if I could just meet someone, get a new job, if I could just have more money, if I could just be, have more opportunities, if I could just have this and this and this and this... But can I say, if you don't know Christ, you're dead. It doesn't matter how much good stuff you enjoy, and there's grace everywhere. There are good things to enjoy everywhere. God is a generous, good God. There are so many good things all around us all the time. But nothing's going to resurrect you apart from the mercy, grace, and kindness of God. You need an encounter with God. We we think the answer's this, or the answer's that. The answer's not. The answer's you're dead. You're in a morgue. You're in a kingdom that's a kingdom of darkness. You're in a place where there is a cruel principality ruler who stabs and wants to control and blind and brainwash and keep you kidnapped. And you're entrenched. But God wants to break in. God wants to say there's a, there's a but God moment for you. Even today there's a but God moment. Where right now you're deserving actually to be separated forever. And actually now God's coming today and saying, dear child, dear son and daughter, I so love the world that I sent Jesus. So that he could take the punishment for everything you deserve. So that he could die in your place. So that he could receive the wrath of God, the anger of God, the justice of God in your place as you, as your great substitute. That it was all pointed to you. And you deserved it. And Jesus says, I'll step in and take the whole weight of everything you've ever done, thought, said, not done. I'll take the whole thing for you. And he then takes it all and says, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? And it goes dark because he's experiencing the reality of becoming what he never was before. Utter sin in our place. 
And on the third day, he was raised to resurrection in a glorious new body. So that you and I can be raised and have a resurrection like his resurrection and come alive. (laughs) There's a but God moment for you. When you come home and realise the king is ruled by a glorious father who absolutely loves you. See, God helps the helpless. Uh, There's a saying that it's not in the Bible, God helps those who help themselves. It's not in the Bible. That's a Greek saying from history. (laughs) God helps the helpless. God helps the helpless. Even our brokenness and our sinfulness and our wretchedness and our awful state couldn't distract God from being extravagantly loving, kind and gracious. He he just wasn't put off. He wouldn't be put off. And we we heard that thing with Paul about the bags and he he wanted to show us off. He could see the remnants of our glory the glory of made in the image of God. He could see it still and loved us. God so loved the world, he could still see the original blueprint and the original design of what he'd always desired for humanity. Amen. The co-laboring with a wonderful father, the walking in the garden at the cool of night with Abba, of knowing him as our dad, of having a commission to change the world. He could see all of that glory in us. It was like you and I were masterpiece paintings, painted by the most beautiful, glorious artist who ever lived. And we'd been in this cupboard for years and years and years, and the dust and the grime of time had covered us, and we didn't look maybe that beautiful. And yet he could see the design and the blueprint and the wonder of it. He could see that with restoration, I can bring out the blues and the greens and the wonders of that colour. Because he wanted to show us off to the world. These are the kids I made. (laughs) This is the glory that's within them. This is where they are right now, but I see what is priceless and beautiful about them. And that's why Jesus, the eternal Son of God, comes and becomes the God-man and takes on human flesh. God walking among us, revealing the very nature and the kindness and the goodness of God. His extravagant love, mercy and grace is this power. Grace is a powerful agent of God. Grace is is aggressive. Grace changes us. Grace is like an atomic bomb of the kingdom. It transforms people. It's by grace you have been saved. It's a radical, regenerating, transforming, resurrection, powerful thing of God. By grace you have being saved. And his kindness broke into our deadness. Remember that when I was 18? My mum had just suddenly become a Christian. And for some reason I was listening, listening to Youngie Cho, I think, on a headset. And uh, not really understanding very much. And I just remember this presence. This presence came over me. And I knew he was real. I hadn't even responded to him. I didn't know if I even wanted him. Did you know the deal breaker for me? And I wanted to carry on watching horror films. Infinite treasure of the glorious king. And I'm not sure if I want to see X, Y or Z. He broke in before I'd even responded. (laughs) 
I responded two weeks later when I'd waded out. <laughs> but he broke in with resurrection grace and power and opened my eyes. Thank you, Lord. Because I thought I had no appetite or interest or desire for God whatsoever. He wasn't even a question. I wasn't even on a quest. I had no appetite whatsoever. And he broke in on that night with grace and power. And then in his love and kindness, 20 odd years later, he's tenderly and with mercy and with compassion and gentleness got his brush and taken away the grime and said, on that day, this was the masterpiece I restored. Now I'm opening the eyes of your heart to see who I am and what I've done in you. And I'm going to do it with kindness and grace. It's resurrection. New life. Spiritual. It's like at the new birth, you go from being a jellyfish, just swept along by the tide of the current of the age, to being a dolphin. Who wants to be a jellyfish when you can be a dolphin? A dolphin can swim against the tide. A dolphin can say, I'm going to find out what pleases God. And I'm going to swim against the tide. In fact, that's the, this is the way you navigate life as a free man or woman. Ask what pleases the Lord. Ask him, what pleases you, God? What pleases you, God? Facebook at the moment will be full of debates about 50 shades of grey. And people say, I want to know. I want to know if, if it's on the forbidden list. I want to know. Well, go and ask God. Just go and ask him. Father, would it please you if I went? That's how you navigate life as a dolphin. <laughs> the tide is just, oh, we just drift. We just drift. Whatever they throw out, we'll just drift to and call that normal, acceptable and righteous. Dolphins get to... Come to the king, come to the father and say, what will please you in this or that situation? Dolphins get to swim and they get to explore the bounds of the kingdom, the, the abundance of the kingdom. Get to come alive. Sons and daughters go from living, as it were, in the gutter to be resurrected to the palace in an instant. That's the freedom of the kingdom, to live in the palace. Why would we want to muck about with sin when we can live in the palace? Why would we want to go back to where we came from and live under that when we can live in the abundant freedom of spiritual adoption and intimacy? Why would we want to trade places why would we want to live below our glorious calling? It's what grace does. It elevates us. Somebody once said repentance is that decision to return back to the penthouse, to repent, to go back to the high place, to go back to the place of liberty and freedom. 
And it says there finally, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And it's interesting, in the first two chapters, there's this reference to this place, the heavenly realms of where God is. Who, in chapter 1, it's who blessed us in the heavenly realms of every spiritual blessing in Christ. In chapter 1, at the end, referring to Jesus in verse 20, when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is evoked. So we go from this place of being subjects to in the palace and raised to the heavenly realms. Never to ever be separated from a place of bliss and blessing. So you have to know where you came from. If you think you got yourself in the palace because you pulled yourself together and pulled your socks up and, and you got a little serious, then you'll, you'll think that to stay in the bliss and the palace of his love and intimacy and connection, you'll think you have to keep yourself there. If you, if you think you got there from that awful state that you were in at the beginning by just adding a few new disciplines onto your life, then you've not understood fully the gospel. If you think that what got you in the kingdom was you one day decided to read your Bible and to pray and come to church and do a few good deeds, you've not understood the desperation of where you were. That you were dead. People in morgues do not get opportunity to make life decisions. They don't get out of there by adding a few disciplines to themselves. They need an active agent of resurrection to get them out. And that's where we are right now, in the seated and the heavenly realms with God. And so, let's finish with this. We are now citizens of heaven. That's who we are. And that means we're ambassadors of another kingdom. So you're born again, you're brought into the heavenly realms, and now you are an ambassador of the king and his kingdom. And so Jesus, it says, was in the place of all authority, raised from the dead, and seated at the right hand in the heavenly realms above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is evoked. So Jesus is the name above all names, and he's the highest position in the universe. And Paul then says, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So where are we? We're in the place of all authority and power. So as ambassadors, we're not just going around trying to beg people to come into the kingdom. We're ambassadors demonstrating the rule and the priority of the king and his kingdom. So wherever we go... We're always in that place of power and authority, <coughs> raised with yeah. Christ in the heavenly realms. Yeah. So we get to take heaven's priorities wherever we go. Yeah. Yes. Heaven knows no sickness. Heaven knows no lack. Heaven knows abundance. Heaven doesn't know injustice. Heaven is full of the peaceable fruit of the Holy Spirit, love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That wherever we go, we're going as co-heirs with Christ. We get to distribute heaven's resources, heaven's answers, heaven's solutions, heaven's wisdom, heaven's breakthrough wherever we go. We get to bring that. We get to be a resurrected person wherever we are. That's what, the, that's what people need to see from us. 
They need to see a people who have literally been raised from the dead. They need to be, they need to see the freest people they can possibly see on the planet. They need to see people who are no longer under the broadcast of one who would stab them and create wounds and lies in them. And they need to see people who are not any longer entrenched in brokenness and corruption and disobedience. They need to see people who are a radical display of who God is and what God is like. They need to see the masterpiece being wonderfully restored. And so when they look upon us, they glorify the artist. That's how God gets glory. That's how artists get glory. The artist gets glory by people looking at the piece of art and saying, I love this artist. I love the brush strokes. I love the colours. I love the attention to detail. I love what they have done in this. And then the artist gets glory and a Turner reward or whatever else. Because people love the art. We need to be that display wherever we are. I love the way you are peaceful and gentle and self-controlled and forbearing. I love, the, I love what, who you are. I love the joy that you carry and the peace that you carry. That we are displayers of the artist. Displayers of the resurrection life. God loves people. God loves this community more than we could ever love this community. God loves the people we pass and the people in the bus stop and the people in our families and the people in our workplaces and supermarkets. He absolutely loves them. And the one of the, I would say, yes, he can break in sovereignly. He can. A guy, a Christian guy in Morocco, went in a taxi in, in <coughs> Marrakesh and his principal thing was to ask Muslims, have you had a dream about Jesus Christ? 30% of the taxi drivers he drove with had actually had a dream about Jesus. And so he can do that. He can break into the, the hard areas. But he also says, when the Spirit comes, I'll make you my witnesses. You'll be my ambassadors of reconciliation. You'll be my declarers of my goodness. You'll be the displayers of my glory to the people around you. You'll be the ones who demonstrate my kindness and goodness and heart and intention so that they might be led to repentance through my kindness and through my goodness. It's going to be expressed through you. We're, we're like the pipe. There's heaven and we're that pipe. We're here on earth. But we're also in the heavenly realms, that his goodness might flow through us. That's why when we go to people and we find they don't have a house, we can declare things over them because we're in the place of all authority and power, raised with Christ. And we can speak on his behalf the good things of the kingdom, and we can broker it, as it were, and be at the city gate and do deals on behalf of the Father, and pray that people get jobs, and people get healed, and people get breakthrough, and his peace rules wherever we are. This is... This is what we are about. We're on earth to bring the reality of the heavenly realms here so that in our lives we might see hundreds of men and women come to know the beauty and the glory of the King. Our our vision for the next three years is to see 40 people saved. We need to believe that that's what we're on earth for. We're on earth for transformation of areas, transformation of workplaces, transformation of families, transformation of this geography by seeing person after person get saved and also through being salt and light in a city on a hill and bringing the solutions of heaven in our workplaces and ideas from God that, that bring the reality that we're actually connected to the one who has all wisdom and all resources.
ask us to stand. We're gonna, just going to finish by praying for us. And... Uh... <coughs> Some of you, you are Christians... And you just need to be reminded that you're a dolphin now. Yeah? You're a dolphin. You're not a victim of the tide taking you everywhere. You, you are now free to choose. You are now free to have adventures with God. You are now free to bring good things to people around you. You, you are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. You have authority. You have power. You have a calling on your life. Just felt to just to pray into this as well that that some of us we still carry wounds and lies from that time when we, we were living in that kingdom of darkness and maybe something something stabbed you as it were and wounded you and you're still carrying that. So we just say today that ends. And we just declare freedom to you in any area where something was said, uh, maybe it was a personal school or a teacher or a mum or a dad or even a husband or a wife or someone important in your life said something and the enemy got in on the back of it and stabbed you and wounded you. We say healing to that in Jesus' name. We speak out the truth to you in Jesus' name. That you're accepted in the beloved. You are delighted in and you are a masterpiece. And God delights in you and loves you and wants to show you off. So we just speak to wounds and say, wounds, be healed in Jesus' name. We just say to broken spots in our hearts, let them be healed right now in Jesus' name. You just speak to wounds that have been scabbed and you picked at them again and again. God's going to say, stop picking the wound. <laughs> Let it be healed right now. Let truth invade into that area right now in Jesus' name. And we just say as well to any here who think that God helps those who help themselves. Stop thinking that you earn your way into the throne room of God for your activity. God helps the helpless. <laughs> God helps the helpless. God helps those who just simply come and say, I need you. I receive it by faith, not by works. I just want to say as well to any of you who don't know Jesus yet, you know you don't. You know you don't. Today is a day you can meet with him. Today is a day where you can literally be born again, be raised from the dead, and, and encounter the King of glory. He can meet with you right here today. He can bring you out of that place of being, as it were, literally spiritually dead in the morgue to be resurrected you can walk out of here a new person by the grace of God he loves you so much and he wants to love on you and dote on you and show you off and celebrate you he wants to throw a party in heaven because one of his kids has come home we'd love to talk to you after if you just know actually I'm not I don't know him yet and I'm looking here and I'm looking there and I'm looking everywhere and I didn't realise I was driving with a bomb in my car and diffuse it I want to walk out of here in the wonderful safety of the kingdom of heaven we want to pray for you and chat with you a little bit more Amen. and just together we just this is what God's doing he's raising up a whole army of men and women 
who know who they are and know what they're on earth for. We are ambassadors of the king and his kingdom. That wherever we go, the kingdom rule of Jesus and the priorities of heaven go with us. We're not trying to make things happen. We're just realising who we already are. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing. We're seated with Christ in the highest place of all authority. And we're learning how to walk with authority and power in the earth. To love people and demonstrate the love of the King to the people around us. To bless people, to do good to people. So that God might give them a, lead them to repentance through extravagant kindness of a revelation of his nature. That's who we are. And we're learning, maybe we're, some of us are learning to crawl in it, some of us are learning to walk in it, some of us are learning to run in it. But what we're, our aim is we're going to become like, we're growing and becoming more and more like Christ. That's who we're, he's our model. When a, when, a, when a baby is born, it doesn't say, well I can't crawl, so I can't, must, I, I obviously haven't got the gift of walking, have I? He looks at mum and dad and says, look at mum and dad. Mum and dad walk. Mum and dad run. Mum and dad catch, catch the ball. That's my model. I'm going to be like mum and dad and run. And when we look at our father in heaven, we see our father in heaven, he raises the dead. He brings breakthrough. He brings provision. Yeah. He, he brings hope to the hopeless and peace to the peaceless. He's our model, Jesus. We're saying, we want to be like you, Jesus. We want to do the things that you do. We're not saying just because I can't walk at the moment, I'll never have the gift of walking, we're saying, no, no, we're becoming more like Jesus yeah, day by day. Yeah. And so we're, what we're becoming is, we're going to grow like you. So when we walk in the room, the peace of heaven comes in the room, yeah, and the goodness yeah. of God comes in the room. Amen. And Amen. wherever we go, the sick yeah. are getting healed, and the dead are being raised, and the blind eyes are open. And, and God will live with mystery. And we won't always understand everything, but we're becoming bit by bit by bit more like you. Amen. Bit by bit. And we're just saying to Plumstead, Woolwich, Thamesmead, Good things are coming to you. Because yeah. God's yeah. raising up a whole host of men and women who are increasingly Amen. believing. Yes. We just announce to you good news. Yes. We announce good news in Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. 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 Yeah. Just had a just to just to really emphasize it, got a picture of